What if you could be doing something smarter with your money that creates income now? If you're wanting to get ahead financially and enjoy greater freedom of choice, if you want a comfortable retirement and you know you'll have more choices if you can do more with your money now, if you've wondered who else is creating ways to make their money work for them and you want actionable ideas with honest pros and cons and no fluff, welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller, and in this podcast, you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Richard Geek. Today, we have Mark Besa. He's the global brand and business manager for Huck Finance. And it's an early crypto evangelist. That's what Mark is. And he's got a decade of experience and expertise that establishes him as a thought leader in creating and building crypto brands. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you so much, Michael. Now, I'm an old guy. So, you know, this whole <laughs> Bitcoin token, all this sort of stuff, you know, flies over my head. Um because, you know, I just haven't studied it that much. Now, you're specializing in strategic development and brand conceptualization for early stage companies. Um, you've been doing this for a while. So mm -hmm. tell me what you're up to. Sure. So I joined Hawk Finance about six months ago. So the background of Hawk Finance, they were actually one of the original meme tokens. And if you've heard of these these meme tokens, they're predominantly... The, the first one, the most famous one is um, is Dogecoin. That's mm -hmm. one that Elon Musk is supporting right now. He thinks it's, you know, the bee's knees. And we, that actually, uh, Hawk actually, um, Hokkaido Inu was the name of the token. And that launched around May last year. And that's when uh, what was called meme season exploded, where all these meme tokens just came onto the market. And Hawk did like a 700, $800 million market cap. He did $100 million of volume in a single day. And that was because a lot of people saw Elon jump on Saturday Night Live, talk about Dogecoin and everything else. And predominantly with, with these tokens, they're, they're, they don't really have much value. There's no real utility. You can't use them in many places. It's hype, celebrity marketing, endorsement, that sort of thing. So I invested in a bunch of them, made lots of money. Um, then the Bitcoin correction came. And of course, I lost some, but I, I, I came out on top, thankfully, sold at the right time, but a lot of people lost. And I think that's because, you know, the moment that the market corrects, people just want to bail out of something that has no use case anymore. So I pitched to a couple of them and Hawk actually wrote back to me and I, I said, hey, I think I can help your brand. If you build a decentralized financial ecosystem around a young person's life, to help them send and spend the money that they, they want to, you will win this race. And so that's basically how I, I got involved with Hawk. I, I was involved in Bitcoin about 10 years ago. Uh, some buddies and I got together, developed an omni-currency payment gateway. Um, I live in Europe now, but, but this is when I was back in Australia. And that was crazy back then because, you know, Bitcoin was really, really early. We were pitching to investors who said Bitcoin was a scam. They didn't want to give us any of their money. You know, it was just the typical, it was so early and you, you can't blame them. Mm 
um, 10 years later, it's now going to start. Now Bitcoin has revved its engines and the next 10 years is going to be really crazy. So I've, I've been doing a lot of traditional marketing, digital marketing, but where I think mm. I am very different to most marketers in crypto is that I understand crypto as well and blockchain. Mm-hmm. And that's what's quite special about what we're doing at Hawk Finance to actually transform them from a, a meme token to a real, you know, a real crypto company, a decentralized financial player that can beat the rest. So what, what is a meme token? I mean, what does that mean when people... Sure. So a meme token, so you would have seen a meme before on the internet, right? So someone mm-hmm. makes a picture or a video of something funny, maybe it's a politician or anyone, you know, and they basically put some funny text or some graphics on it and that meme goes viral. So mm-hmm. a meme token is predominantly um, imagery, visuals, that are based around something, you know, an mm-hmm. internet uh, theme, you can say. Mm-hmm. And that's what the brand is facilitated around, but also how the brand is, how it resonates with community. So every meme token has these enormous communities that, that, that worship these tokens, that think they're, you know, um, just the next best thing. And these meme tokens have this very special way of communicating and leveraging the community to market them globally. So if you consider Dogecoin has millions and millions of fans um, on Reddit and other places, people just go crazy for it. Um, it builds this community of, of trust and fun and you know where people can share memes and talk about the market and whatnot. So if you just think about a meme token, it's like any other currency, like Ethereum or Bitcoin, but really it's about, there's a meme icon and mm-hmm. the marketing, the way that it's used and the way that the community is built. So it's, um, it's quite fun and creative. So you take it, and what is the process if you're going from a meme token into like a DeFi 2.0 player? What does that mean, and, and how does it you how do you go from a meme token into this new yeah. atmosphere? Yeah, crazy. So it's it's actually quite difficult because most meme tokens are run like volunteer projects. They're fully decentralized. There's no hierarchy. There's no leadership. That's all kind of like really passionate people volunteering to both uh, donate their time and their energy, sometimes even money to get the show going. And to transform these brands, you literally have to build a brand new company. You have to actually, you know, get registration, licensing uh, for the right products you've got. You need a brand strategy. You have to hire people. Like it's 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 a very difficult thing. It's actually harder to do because you're not working with a clean slate, and you've and you've got to remember that these meme tokens are predominantly so fun and creative. So as soon as the community maybe senses a bit of like, oh, are they going to be a corporate now? Are they going to be like white collar? Maybe they get a little bit scared. So we have to mm-hmm. basically prove to the community that we're still we're always going to be a meme token it's going to be fun and exciting if you imagine it's going to be like pokemon right pokemon mm-hmm. is like a kids game but it's run by you know this massive organization uh, with a lot of different levels and leadership and so that's what we're trying to build right now and in the last 6 months you know so many incredible things have happened uh, i've appeared on international news and bbc mm-hmm. ntd just to be an authority to speak about meme tokens, crypto and NFTs. And that hasn't happened with a meme token before. There hasn't been too many front facing you know, people speaking about this huge thing that's happening right now in the market, which is basically young people want to buy or prefer to buy meme tokens than they do US dollars. 
Now that's a big scary thing for the future if you are set on owning purely fiat currency because you will miss out on the big opportunity ahead, which is how do I resonate with young people? And if you're not in that crypto space with what young people want to do with their money, uh, you'll miss out. So that's what we're trying to lead is that focus about bringing a fun brand and a currency to the next crypto generation. Now, how can, you know, I, I understand that the young people, I can't relate to the young people because they're born <laughs> into computers and they're born in, you know, I mean, I, yeah. you know, I, I come from the days of pre-Google, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, um, so when you say that, you know, they can't relate to the corporate banks, you know, are, are they wanting everything to be now cloud-based? Because, I, you know, if I understand it, mm. the, the crypto and all of this uh, and the meme, um, you know, the crypto and all this sort of stuff, I, I mean, it's just data. Yep. You know, so how can you, the world all of a sudden say, well, we need to start trading in this data that has to be mined. And, and you know, how can you sit there and say, sure. you know, is it going to be like a separate account, a bank account, and I get paid this yep. way and, and transfer money? And Yep. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's a great question. So the way you have to look at it is, and, and first I'll start with why they can't resonate with, with banks. So centralized banks typically have you know, run the show for centuries. And it, what they're offering young people today is not what young people are getting in their everyday commerce experience. So take, for example, our, our utility token. So you buy this token and you can use it in our e ecosystem. Okay, we're on Telegram, we have people all over the world working 24 hours a day, sending memes, and jokes and videos and gifts and 100% engagement. If, if I try to ring my bank now, it's only because I've, you know, my I've lost my credit card. That's who really I can I can speak to. So you think about that level of engagement between a centralized bank and a meme token. It's right there. There's people that you can relate to straight away. Now, in terms of it being used as a currency, you just have to build things for the currency to be used. So, for example, we have um, our token on three different chains. So. Uh, Ethereum, Binance, and Heco chain. Now, what's really interesting about that is, is that you can bridge those tokens across those three chains to whatever your preference is and use them in our ecosystem. Right now, we've launched this product called Hawk Premium, where you can take your Ethereum and your USDC that might sit in your decentralized wallet, and you could almost like stake it, like you would invest gold in a bank, for example, and you can earn yield. So we're building products for people to actually use in their everyday life versus just a token that you would need a lot of infrastructure for. So eventually, when the local cafe or the, the movie theater starts mm -hmm. accepting Ethereum-based tokens, for example, you'll be able to use something like Hawk because Hawk's mm -hmm. based on Ethereum, on, on that chain. So I would say that the, the future of the world has to be more in terms of, I think there are going to be a lot of currencies or at least a lot of dominant chains like, for example, Bitcoin and, and, and Ethereum. And then you're going to have a lot of different currencies and people are going to accept more and you're going to get that conversion. It'll be much more simplistic, mm -hmm. but it will it, it will be broken down more. I mean, Microsoft will probably one day have its own coin and that's all you mm -hmm. can probably buy Microsoft products with.
That's in, yeah, that's very interesting. So the future of crypto, I'm going to have regular currency, but then I'll have another area or account or website to go in and I can see how much crypto I have or Ethereum. Yeah. Um, do you think that crypto will get to the point where it's used more like an NFT? Because when I think of an NFT, I can sit there and say, well, you know, I made this guitar, I made this, or I'm, I have a hundred episode podcasts and I put a value of it on it and sell it for these NFTs. So it's more of like a physical thing mm -hmm. um, or a value that I have. Uh, do you think crypto is going to start doing that or is it, yeah. I'm going to need both NFTs and crypto? Well, it's it's actually it's pretty much the same thing. So the the NFT, the non fungible token, is that is that you know series of um, of letters and numbers that represents um, you know something on the blockchain that's unique and it can never be replaced. Mm -hmm. There there are companies out there that are that are merging uh, on chain and off chain assets. So that guitar, for example, mm -hmm. let's say if it was signed by Jimi Hendrix, mm -hmm. really valuable, you could sell that NFT with that um, physical asset which would be like the certificate of authentication, which could mm -hmm. never, ever, ever be um, replicated. That's that's the brilliance of an NFT. I think NFTs are going to replace a lot of things. I think they're going to replace things like stocks and bonds. Mm. I think they're going to replace what we traditionally think of when we think about... Um, if, if you consider that you can put money into something like a bank account, well... Mm -hmm. For example, with our NFTs right now, we have a collection, Hawk NFTs. The moment that you mint an NFT, that NFT starts generating yield. The moment you own it, which is kind of like really interesting because NFTs predominantly give you access to something, but this is actually giving mm -hmm. you yield the moment it's yours. So now think about what else could you do? I mean, what if that, what if that piece of land you bought, piece of real estate was represented by an NFT, that there was liquidity behind it, like real, real cash, right? In you know, on um, let's say it was uh, Ethereum based, and it and it earned yield just by sitting there as the market changed and the investment grew. Like that's the mm -hmm. future of these sorts of things. So I think you'll have find the crypto experience, NFT experience is all going to be, it's all going to amalgamate, come together, mm -hmm. and you're just going to be doing so much more. I know so many. Like for example, when you do a, a, a token raise mm -hmm. for your crypto projects now. People aren't offering tokens anymore. They're getting a collection of NFTs. People buy them, and that's what pays for the for the project. It's brilliant. Now, how do you think? You know, for instance, one of the the big things that I keep hearing about is real estate blockchain investing. Okay. Yep. So, let's say someone's trying to raise ten million dollars. They want to buy a multifamily complex or, or a hotel or just some type of a real estate project. Are you, are you pretty much like right now, you'd have to, um, if I'm going to build something, it's, I'd have to probably raise enough because, you know, because, you know, the way I'm seeing is, well, the contractor that's going to build it, yep. would have to accept it. Um, or else, you know, there'd be some way, or if I go and just buy something, 
how do I go to a bank and say, hey, you know, I have $5 million worth of crypto. I want to buy this $5 million mm-hmm. asset. Gotcha. I you get know, point. Like, you get my the point. They're going to be like, it, yeah. yeah, the process. Because then that bank is going to, no, I want cash. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't want five million. So, what's the process? You know, that's another thing. And then, if we do like a syndication, a real estate syndication, and I start, mm-hmm. half the people want to give me cash, half the people want to give me tokens or or yep. crypto, and then I have to combine all this in in order to buy something. Um, are we there yet, or do we have to kind of wait till the banks all get on board? No, we are we are here. We we are we are definitely here. So you would have heard of Coinbase and Binance. These are centralized exchanges. Let's use Coinbase mm-hmm. as an example. So when I buy crypto, when I buy Bitcoin or I buy uh, Ethereum, I have to use, uh, for example, US dollars. I have to use fiat currency. Okay, so it it, it leaves the central bank and enters mm-hmm. the blockchain. So you can reverse that. So the moment you've got, you want to raise $5 million, Mm -hmm. you simply reverse that pattern is that you take your ETH and your Bitcoin and you convert it to USD on Coinbase and then you send it to your bank account. Mm. So your contractors, your builders, they don't have to accept crypto because you can pay them in whatever currency they want. The difference is that is when you raise, when you raise money, you can raise so much, so much faster and so much easier. Mm -hmm. I know guys out there that are raising millions and millions of dollars from crypto VCs who are like, okay, who's the team? And is it is your contracts audited? Okay, I'll send you a million bucks. Yeah. Like, it's it's a different world. We are moving away, we're moving away from like physical, tangible paper contracts to smart contracts. You know, you put something in, you take something out. So if you wanted to raise five, 10 million, whatever you wanted to raise right now for a real estate project, you could absolutely do it through anything from NFTs to, to you know, tokens, whatever. It's already mm-hmm. there. And you could pay people in whatever means they wanted to be paid. Yeah, I mean, that's fascinating. I guess you'd have to find the law firm that knew how to create the syndication paperwork and know what they were talking about in order to yep. add those clauses. Um, crypto. I would say you know, that you could... You, go ahead. What, what you could probably do is that you could probably, you could probably release... Uh, nfts to owners and then that that liquidity pool in which they add money to when they when they've minted an nft when they've created one that would maybe somehow legally represent that complex you're trying to build that's mm-hmm. what they own so their ownership is tied to that just like a contract would be tied to it and how difficult would it be because i i don't know what the dollar per token exchange mm-hmm. ratio is you know the exchange rate would it, you'd, would you have to have someone that says, you know, okay, uh, I'm going to pay you a million dollars worth of crypto because I'm yep. going to be a million dollar investor. I go and say, okay, now I convert that to U.S. dollars in order to pay the bank. Is it right now like a one for one or am, could at some mm-hmm. point, because I know it goes up and down like kind of like the market. Yep. Um, I go on and turn to the bank and all of a sudden it's only worth 800,000. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right. Yeah. And that's the big thing with, with the, with the volatility. It's, it's mostly been solved right now from what's called a stable token or a stable coin. So there's something called USDC, which is US dollar coin on Ethereum, for example. And that's 
basically um, a token that represents the real value or reflects the value of the US dollar at any time. Mm -hmm. And it changes uh, up and down based on the amount of cash that they have at any one hand. And so when the when there's too much a US dollar coin, then they kind of reduce it from the supply. But but right now, for example, um, you can accept USDC as a as a stable coin, and you won't lose any value. And when you go to the bank to exchange it for a million, you'll get a million. There's no doubt about that. If you accept it in Ethereum, and, and if, if you take ETH, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then it tanks 10 20% by the time you drive to the bank. Yeah, that's a problem. Um, but it could also do the other way. It could also go up 30, 40%. So what I would do if I'm going to raise money for anything like this, that's more of a, you know, low middle risk asset that you don't want to bring too much volatility to in the, in the means in which you accept capital, then I would be accepting USDC. That, that's how most token raises are done right now for projects. So if I'm going to raise money like this year, I mean, I've been, I've got two projects under my belt. Um, and if I go out and raise, then I'll raise money for, you know, in USDC, because I don't want to have that same problem that you just mentioned. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, you know, the world is, it's, it's crazy. You know, you think about mm. 100 years ago, from 50 years ago, and what's going to happen just five years from now, 10 years from now, where do you, what do you think, we hit on it a little bit. What do you think the, the future of crypto is? Are you going to have more and more and more and more? Or are they all going to be? And, and, you know, you said Microsoft might do one. Who knows? Elon Musk might, you know, have a, a Tesla coin. You know, I mean, you, know, I mean, you just, yeah. you know, if he decides yeah. to do it, he'll, he'll just do it. Do you see all of a sudden having like a hundred of all these different things going around? Yeah, I think you'll have the dominant players. I think that the next five or 10 years will be interesting because a, a lot of them are going to drop off there. But there, there are a lot of lower market cap uh, tokens right now that will explode because we, we are still so early. I mean, like yeah. the like trillions and trillions of dollars are going to come into this industry. The scary part about this actually is is more what happens when there's not enough centralized money. And that's mm. something that mm. no one can really predict. But if you want to play doomsday, then it's yeah. the end of the world. <laughs> because at some point, the bank has to say, there's now 25% of centralized money in the blockchain, and we can't get it out. Because remember that crypto mm. money is your money, you can lend it, you can send it, you can spend it. It's not controlled by any centralized service. So uh, what happens to crypto at that point, but more so what happens to fiat at that point? Because mm -hmm. the Western world can't, we can't have the same level of inflation in some of the uh, South American countries or, you know, parts of Africa. We, we, we can't bump up inflation like that, mm -hmm. where it's like a trillion dollars to buy a loaf of bread, because it will, you know, it, it'll really crash. We, we are, yeah. you know, uh, big consumers here, manufacturers, everything. So the scary part is more, hundreds of currencies but more what happens to fiat how do they play a role together i don't know yeah is it's because everyone knows that the governments in, in on the western world they're reactive instead of proactive so they'll wait till it yep. happens until they say oh my god we need to fix something you know you'd think yeah. that right now they would sit there and say okay look this is happening 
because I, I think the, their only thought process right now is how can we regulate it and how can we tax it? Exactly. Not how and we I'll can tell you, work with it. Yeah, exactly. It, it is literally impossible to stop this movement. <laughs> Funny enough, I talked about meme tokens going viral. Blockchain has gone viral. And you cannot just put this under the rug. It's because, because crypto is an idea. If you plant an idea into someone's head and you say, this money is yours, you can control it. Mm-hmm. You can do anything you want with it anytime. No one owns it. They almost don't grasp the concept. But what about a bank? Well, banks uh, in this model don't exist. They don't provide anything anymore. So the, you're right. Governments are they're so far behind because they don't even understand it. And I actually spoke to a woman some time ago who was um, leading a very large bank in their sort of anti-money laundering uh, department about specifically about, about crypto, you know, people not wanting to pay tax. Because yeah. basically you only pay tax in, in a certain region when you realize your crypto. Otherwise, you could be a trillionaire in crypto and never pay that you know, tax. But anyway, she didn't know what a centralized exchange was. And I'm like, how is anybody at your level not knowing what a centralized exchange is? Like, didn't know what a what a Web3 wallet was or these blockchains or anything. And I'm like, this is really crazy because you guys are so far behind, not just about catching criminals or the guy that doesn't want to pay his tax, but just far behind on the industry. Like, if you're going to appoint a head of a big bank to, like, catch people and understand this space, mm-hmm. you better know at least what Coinbase is, at least. Just so you can catch the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, yeah. It seems like here in America, you know, they're just they're so concerned about catching the bad guys. You know how we now have to. Everyone has to report if I exchange more than six hundred dollars. You know, PayPal and, and things like that. I'm like going, yeah, that's not where we need to be focusing on. You know, these six hundred dollar no. things. You know, it's it's the future and it's, it is scary. Uh, and now another thing is the amount of energy. Do you think? The amount of energy to mine um, all of this. Do you think that's going to be get easier? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think like new technologies are always coming out. You know, there's so, so many things about some countries will go towards nuclear power, and there's like there's so much mm-hmm. stuff going on. So the energy. There's also that argument of energy that Bitcoin is you know more energy um, like wasting. But you know, if you consider how big. How many how large the private banks are how many staff and those enormous concrete skyscrapers they have like a lot of energy mm-hmm. has gone into that for a very very long time mm-hmm. bitcoin is very very new mm-hmm. um i wouldn't say that but but again it's kind of like it's kind of like the fear they put out there like i i, I like for example our babysitter mm-hmm. we were talking today she's 19 years old and, and we were talking about bitcoin and she thought bitcoin was only used by you know criminals she did had no idea about <laughs> this stuff now she's it's funny because bitcoin is more familiar to her than it was when I discovered it. I discovered it when I was like 23, for example, I'm, I'm 33 now, but you know, it's kind of like the, the fear indicator of what they want the average retail investor to actually think because a lot of money can be made right now in crypto. The next five, 10 years is going to be insane, but I just feel that the government doesn't want you to make that money. They want to more or less facilitate what money you can make or more, more importantly, facilitate what money you, sh- you should be paying. And what you owe the yeah. government. Yeah, exactly. That's that's just the way the world works. Um, well, well, Mark, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I'm enlightened and 
kind of, you know, kind of like, wow, you know, because you brought up some some things. I'd never thought about what will happen mm-hmm. when there's more crypto than there is dollars. Yeah. You know, um, because the whole world all of a sudden is going to sit there and say, wait a second, you know, it, because there will be inflation, there will be, uh, the world will need to proactively and very quickly figure out how to do this. Exactly. Um, and that's scary, but it's exciting until, you know, hopefully I'll be retired and on some island, you know, before, the, you know, <laughs> yep. before all of that ends. happens. Before the um, world ends. Yeah. Any uh, parting comments, Mark? I would say that if you're interested in, um, in real estate and crypto, like there are a lot of great projects out there where you can learn about off-chain and on-chain assets, on-chain assets specifically being about you know, NFTs and tokens on the blockchain and how they can work with off-chain assets like a, like a building or an apartment. There's a lot going on, but I would say that if I can leave one message is that, you know, the next five and 10 years are going to be the biggest transfer of wealth in history. And if you can invest to what you can afford to lose, as they say, and just mm-hmm. have a little play around and see how it goes, mm-hmm. that's the best advice I can do. And I would say my... I've always been right on my gut instinct about getting into crypto. Now that's all I do. I don't do anything else besides crypto and it's changed my life. So yeah, there's a lot of opportunity out there. Where can people find you? Uh, you wanna... can find me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I'm, I'm always on. Uh, you can just search my name, Mark Basser. Um, of course, if you want to visit where I am established now as a global brand and business manager at Hock Finance, that's H-O-K-K dot finance. And you can see all the cool things that we're building right now. Very cool. Thank you so much, Mark. Thanks for tuning in to the Richer Geek Podcast, where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. For today's show notes, including all the links and resources from our show and more information about our guests, visit us at www.therichergeek.com slash podcast. And don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Share with others who could benefit from listening. And leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes. I appreciate you, and thanks for listening.